Hey everyone, welcome back to the DJ Sessions Virtual Sessions, where we feature and talk to some of the best DJs and producers from around the world. I'm your host, Darren, and right now, sitting to me on my right or my left, I can't ever get this thing right in a Zoom meeting yet, but you know, we're here with David Flores, aka Truncate, all the way in from LA. How's it going this morning? Good, man. All good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on the show. You know, uh, it's been a wild ride in 2020 with, you know, everyone trying to, you know, the industry being down, out, figuring out what's going on, coming back on, on online streaming, people developing their brands and talent online. You know, how have you been staying busy this whole time? Well, to be honest, um, you know, uh, we, we've been doing the DJs and beers things now since, um, since the beginning of the, of the lockdown around end of March. So we're pretty deep into that show, which has been great. It's every Thursday. Um, and other than that, I've just been trying to make some music and focus on my labels and stuff. And um, besides Truncate, my label, I started another one called Work Tracks, uh, which I've been working with other artists, which um, has been great so far. I've been getting a lot of great music. And also been focusing on my health and getting healthy and losing weight and stuff, which is, I mean, is, is crappy as this whole pandemic has been uh financially and you know mentally um i think for me personally health wise uh it's been amazing because i've been able to just focus on eating better and and losing weight and stuff so it's been good as far as that goes you mentioned a few things here that we're going to dive into a little bit later in the interview but the one thing i want to touch on is the last thing you mentioned is losing weight i recently just started decided to eat a little bit healthier and I noticed I had been pushing over the for, for last few years, uh, gaining, gaining a little bit more my, my age. And uh, just recently, you know, I had a success story I want to share. And I, I recently dropped four pounds oh, in the last couple weeks. I was like, right on. So you can do it. Yeah. You, it's, it, you know what? Once you, once you get into the groove of it, like in the beginning, it's difficult, especially when you change your eating habits. Like me being on the road all the time was just like, you know, in the airport or just like, trying to grab something as quick as possible and not really being conscious of what I'm eating, you know, just like McDonald's, a sandwich, just crap, you know? And, yeah, and, and you know, if you know, if, if you follow me online, I'm known as, uh, as a foodie. So I, I ah. cook these extravagant meals and all my friends say, Darren, how come you're not 250, 300 pounds? <laughs> yeah. I grew up in an Italian households. So when I make mm. food, I don't cook just for one person. I cook for like 10 or 15 people. And then they see my plates of food when I dish them up and they're like, there's no, how do you stay so thin? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I have a high metabolism. I work a lot. But the truth is, I really don't eat all the food on my plate. Uh, I like to plate okay. up. I have, my eyes are bigger than my stomach. That's uh, good. But I like to have a lot of variety, variety and I like to have a lot of food in case I am hungry and I want to finish the whole plate because if I make a small meal and then I'm back in the kitchen fixing another, that just doesn't compute for me. Yeah. You know, like I, I, I try to do that where you kind of plan, not, I guess it's sort of like planning an hour, just saving leftovers all the time, mm -hmm. but I, I can't eat the same food like just days in a row. You know what I mean? So I, I'm, I tend to just make a meal for that one sitting or maybe have a leftover for the next day, but that's it because I want to, I want to switch it up and not get bored of eating the same thing all the time, you know? Absolutely. Variety is one of my key things when it comes to cooking. I, I like to have, I cannot do the same dish over and over, unless it's like my spaghetti. My spaghetti, right. I can eat a couple days. But, yeah, a like something like that for sure. I can eat probably for a few days in a row and that's fine. But for the most part, it's just like, I want to, I want to make it, eat it and then do something the next day. Absolutely. You know, but again, when you mentioned just changing up your diet, uh, it can definitely have an impact on, on your weight gain, you know, taking Huge. that caloric intake down and we could talk about dieting all day long, but I think we're here to talk about music, aren't we? Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> well, not only that, I guess we are, we're going to switch from diet and food over to something that I was very interested to find out about today and, and doing my research on you, beer drinking and your show called DJs and beer. I, yeah. I, I, I love beer. I'm a Heffenweizen guy. I, used, right. I was in my, in, my, um, in my Guinness days and, and all that fun stuff, but I, I like a Heffenweizen, a little unusual on my Heffenweizen. I actually drink my Heffenweizen when I get a, a taller glass with three olives and two lemons. And a Whoa, lot of places they- where did, that, where did that idea come from? I've never seen that. You know, I, I, it's funny enough, I was dating a girl who worked at a bar and they sold these 
big mugs called Mondo mugs. It was the largest beer you could get in Washington state without breaking the liquor control board rules. And one day we'd get these Mondo mugs and they'd sell them for like five bucks. And, um, but some of the patrons of the, the bar that were long time, it was like a neighborhood bar. They came in and they put, put pickles in it. They put the olives in lemons with hemp, you know, that's, that's kind of a standard. Kind of normal. But lemons are orange. Olives in, and I just kind of got hooked on it. And this was 17 years ago. Now that I think about it. So, um, so yeah, 17 years ago, I just, I go to restaurants and bars and they look at, sometimes I'll put it on the side. They're like, you ask them to throw olives inside the, the Hefeweizen? Oh, wow. I, I love it. Now, I wouldn't do that to a good, what is it, a Weftman? I can never pronounce the dang name. It's the big, long W one that the original Hefeweizen. Stefan. It's like one of the oldest breweries in the world. Yeah, Exactly, where the Hefeweizen formula came from. Yeah. I would never touch one of those. <laughs> a, a pyramid or a, or a like wind a blue beer. moon or something. <laughs> Blue Moon, I do the oranges, but yeah, but not the, uh, no. But yes, tell me more about this DJs and beer show. I want to hear more about this. Um, so the idea started back in March. Um, I did, a, I did like, a, like a live stream by myself on Facebook where I was just bored and I was drinking beers at home. And I was just putting on records and I was just talking to people in the comments. You know what I mean? I was just playing music, just having beer. And Chris Liebing saw some of that. He's like, hey, man, I saw a little bit of your live stream. I, thought, I think that's a pretty cool idea. You know, like, what if we, what if we started like a, like a little talk show where we just drink beers and talk and just talk? I was like, sure, I got nothing else going on. Why not? And then eventually that, that turned into like, hey, I was talking to Dubfire about it. And he said he's down to do it. And then, then he asked Mo Drum Cell and then Radio Slave. And it just became this thing. And, you, you know, we, it, we, even now we don't take it too seriously um it's just we're just djs chatting and having a beer man that's it and eventually it turned into having guests on and um we've had some amazing huge guests come through and then we have people hit us up like hey man it's really cool that you good you guys are doing why don't you guys have us on so it's turned into a pretty cool little uh little weekly show and um i think i think i think beer has kind of been the 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 last part of it now you know it's more about the talk show but we definitely always have to have a beer on the show and uh it's been fun man well that that's awesome it reminds me of my first a few days when i in the early days of live streaming when i was just testing everything out about 10 11 years ago and i would wake up in the morning jump on facebook jump on the Ustream, fire it up make myself a nice hot cup of tea and then all morning long, I would just sit there and I would do dialing for dollars. I was running my advertising company. I would just be on the phone and people would be watching it. And one time I took a pause, I took a break and um, I started singing. I think it was like a Michael Jackson song came on in the background. And I just started singing along with it. And one of these viewers that was watching me was from London. And she says, sing another song. And I was like, okay. And this kind of got me into doing a little bit more on live stream, but what I started doing is I started taking karaoke requests, you know, and people on say, send me a song right now on Facebook. I'll find the lyrics. I'll karaoke to it, no matter what song it is. Oh it was this crazy online. It was way, it was like in the pre days before the DJ sessions even got started, but how something can start very minimal, very just flipping a camera on can turn into a project that you're like, Whoa. And people around the world are jumping on board, wanting to be involved with it. It's just amazing on how streaming technology has gotten us there and what we can do with it. So congratulations on the show. It sounds like a great time. I want to check out more of them. Um, speaking of the show, I saw I was checking on your Instagram. You have some special glasses. Ah, you, yes. you know, are, those, are those glasses for sale or are those your own personalized glasses? Um, I've been making them to sell them. And I've done, I've done only two so far. Um, it's something I've been wanting to do for a long time because like, I like, I mean, I'm not drinking a beer right now, but you know, I collect beer glasses from breweries that I like, especially if I really like them, I want to support them and I'll buy a glass. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I wanted to do one for a long time, like for years, I've been thinking about it. And I figured now is the time to, to do it since people are buying merch, people are making merch and finding other ways to make some sort of income, you know? So I've made two so far and they both sold out really fast. And I have a third on the way that I was hope, hoping to get um, by the end of this month, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think that place is uh, pretty swamped with um, 
but they're printing glasses. But yeah, I got a third on the way. They look awesome. I've always been a huge fan of merch, um, definitely about branding. And, and that's one of the things, you know, talking about the online streaming and we'll go into that in a little bit here, but definitely branding yourself and looking for other sources of income when branding yourself. You know, I see a lot of, of people of, uh, you know, jumping on the online bandwagon, the online streaming bandwagon. And they, while I love Twitch, you know, I give them their props or a featured partner with them. Um, you know, but a lot of people, they're just jumping on and they're not planning their branding out. They're not building their websites. They're not really, they may have their social media in place, but they aren't utilizing it. And merchandising is one of those things. It can be just a simple store with some t-shirts, some beer mugs, stickers, whatever it is to draw in that residual. That's what you do. That's what happens when the artists, they didn't make money off the albums back in the day. They made money off the touring and the merch. Yeah. The concert. Yeah. That was their key way that they could make money back. So I think to see that in an online world and how distribution can be so easy. I mean, our online store, I have 50, 60 different things in there, you know, and, and they wow. can drop ship right to their front doorstep. So, you know, get yourself a good logo, get something you love, hire, hire an artist, go to Fiverr, get your best buddy, whoever it is, get yourself a logo, drop it on some t-shirts, drop it on some hats and, and get your fans start helping you out and, and, and buying it. You know, we do special things where, um, you know, at our events, if people wear our gear, I'll give them discounts on entry, oh, you know, nice. so showing their support, showing their love, you know, yeah. or I'll even go crazy and be like, Hey, you're wearing, it's like a fit studio 54. It's not, you're not wearing that t-shirt in my club. It's you're wearing that t-shirt, get in my I'm club, get in the club. Yeah. <laughs> it's the opposite. So it's kind of the opposite. You're wearing the gear. Get over here. But yeah. Been, go ahead. Sorry. I was just gonna say, it's been amazing how, how supportive people have been with artists and buying their merch and even the music, like selling my music on Bandcamp. Mm -hmm. Definitely been seeing a lot more sales now than, than before the pandemic, you know, and it's been amazing, man. People are open for it and they're down to help out and at least get something in return. You know, if I'm making music, they'll buy it. They'll buy merch, buy t-shirts, but yeah, it's been pretty awesome. And, and speaking of uh, transferring from, from what I would call the physical world to the online world, do you have a Twitch channel that you stream on? Or are you part of a streaming collective or anything of that nature? No, nothing at all, man. The only thing I do streaming wise is the DJs and beers. And even that is like, I, we're not even on Twitch with DJs and beers yet. It's all through our Facebook and, and YouTube. Like I said, like the thing with the, the, our show is we don't take it too seriously. You know, it's real, it's real casual, even though we, we probably should, because like we've had Carl Cox, you know, it's like a pretty big deal. But even, even with us, it's kind of like, we sort of like, we don't, we don't have a guest for this weekend. You know, we're kind of like last minute, like, hey, who should we get on, you know? <laughs> so like, you know what I mean? It's still, it's still not that professional as, as people might think it is. It's still super casual. We don't have a topic. We just, we get on 15 minutes before and we just turn the cameras on and we just start chatting about whatever. I'll tell you, that's probably being in that frame of mind. I almost wish, I wish I could say I could go back to the basics of the DJ sessions where it was just me and my friends in my living room or bedroom and we were just playing music, having fun and didn't care about having to, I love fulfilling my sponsors. I love going out there for my viewers and doing all that. But just going back to the basics, it sounds like that's where you're at. And when you, you know, if you ever saw the progression of you know, the beginner to master and it's the beginner is right where you're at. And then you start mm -hmm. to become the intermediate and then you become the advanced. Then you realize when you become the master, you kind of look like what you were doing back in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. But, but it's at a professional level, still looking like the original beginning episodes. You know, but I could see, I mean, I could see sponsors coming in and hitting you up. I mean, probably wouldn't want Budweiser or Coors necessarily, but. No, we've, we've had, we've had one for, um, I mean, actually I can say it because we were going to do it. We had Bport um, okay. approach us to do it on Twitch and we're like, Hey, we can, uh, we can, you know, obviously help you out monetization wise. And um, if you're exclusive to us for like one week where we do the show live and then after that it's, it's exclusive to exclusive to them for a week. And then after it go on Facebook and YouTube and we're like, cool, that sounds great. And then they, they threw this, this kind of curveball us where it's like, well, we can do it on Thursday. We do it on Thursday Pacific time at noon, which is like 9 PM central European time. Oh yeah. So noon, perfect time for me. 
9 p.m. for the European people. It's like, cool, it's not too late. It's not that horrible. And then Bport was like, the day before, it was like, hey, um, we're going to have to change it to like three hours before. I was like, I'm not going to drink beer at nine in the morning. Like, yeah, it's great for the European time, but I'm not going to do a DJs and beer show at 9 a.m. where I, you know, I have to drink a beer on the show. It's not like I don't have to, you know? And it's like, so we ended up saying no and didn't work out. You couldn't have done some movie magic. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing is like, they, they wanted to do it live, so. No, I, I got you. No, I mean, I, I, I've been there, um, you know, I've been there before and uh, drinking early on camera is never really a good thing. No, oh, man, <laughs> it's, it's too early. As much as, I as much as I love beer, 9 a.m., nah, I couldn't do it. And it's, you know, it lasts, the show is like two hours long. So I'm like, by the end, I'm usually like, you know, two or three, maybe three oh, or four beers, beers deep. <laughs> That's awesome. So definitely we're going to check that out. Uh, DJs and beer. You know, um, going back into some industry stuff, though, recently, you just were part of the, forgive me if I say it wrong, it's the Med Elin Techno Podcast. Oh, Medellin. Yes. Me, me, pronounce that me, word? Medellin. It's the city in Colombia. Okay, yes, because I went to go listen to it and I couldn't understand a word of what the gentleman was saying other than <laughs> in some English words, but it sounded amazing. Tell me about that uh, podcast episode number 35 and your involvement with that. Yeah, so um, this the, the main guy, Juan, Juan um, Durout, he goes by his DJ name. He's been a promoter and label owner and DJ in, in Colombia, in Medellin, the city of, of in, in Colombia. For, for a long time and he's been booking me down there since like man I think about 10 years now super nice guy and he's like he's kind of been the forefront of the techno scene down there and he's you know he he used to have a he used to have a record shop he had a store selling gear he had owned a club that recently just kind of got shut down because of COVID um, so he started doing the podcast so uh, when he asked me to do it I was like for sure on board I mean he's been super supported from me down there in Colombia and one of the main reasons I was down playing down in Colombia for so many years so I couldn't tell him no he's also a good friend now so it's been uh it's been super helpful for him and, and for me as well it's awesome uh, the connections that you make in the industry over the years that may become from you know like I'm interviewing you now who knows what the future holds but you know the the relations I've built over the last 10 years with people when they come back on the show, we reconnect, we talk with them, and then you kind of, you're following them, you know what's up, and you kind of just meet back up, and you get together, and you're like, what's up? And you just, you, over time, you just kind of build a bond. You build a familiarity with people that you may have, in the beginning, they were strangers. You never knew, but your your love of electronic music kind of brings you closer together in that environment. So that's awesome, you know, just hear about those kind of relationships still continuing, uh, even yeah, though you, you go fit meet physically with people, you're still able to work with people long distance. I mean, obviously technology, the internet has made that helpful where, you know, producers can now live in one country and live in another country and still send files back and forth and make songs and, and collaborate on tracks like that. I'm sure you're familiar with that process. Um, you know, so that's awesome. It's, it's good to hear that, you know, people are still remaining positive moving forward, you know, at a time where you could sit back and sit around with your thumb up your butt and going, I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> the whole industry's done. And, B-O-O-H-O-O, -O, you know, those that are, those that are pushing forward and keeping through, you know, there's a, a statement I saw years ago that it was, it was in relationship to the economy. And it said that businesses that put more money into advertising during a downturn in the economy actually saw a growth when the economy bounced back because they kept their name and their image and likeness fresh in the people's faces. They were doing something continuously. So when things happen, they were a much more viable product in the market. Whereas other brands that cut their advertising budgets to save costs because the economy is doing that, they ended up going under. Oh, wow. So, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's kind of a marketing rule. When, when it's downturn, stay in front of people's faces. You know, even though it might bite the bullet, you might have to trim your own pay, your own pay to do that, you know, stay out there and keep it going. Um, you know, that's, that's interesting you say that because um, like for me as a record label that, that releases club music and there's no clubs, I've really haven't really slowed down in making and releasing music where I've seen other labels that are pretty big that kind of stopped because they were like, 
well, there's no clubs. Like we're not, we're not putting out music. And I was like, well, what does it matter? I mean, people are still listening to it. Of course, they're not going to consume it in the way you intended it to be consumed, but people have Spotify, people are exercising, people are working still at home and they're listening. They're still consuming this music, regardless of if it's in the club, maybe not the proper environment that you want to listen to the music, but in the end people, they, they still love it and they still want to listen to it. So like, why, I don't see why some labels have kind of put a pause or, you know what I mean? It's like, man, oh, yeah. just, just keep doing it, man. It's, it's funny you bring that up in, in past interviews over this year. Um, I was talking on a lot of different podcasts and explaining to people using a generic number. I don't, this isn't a bona fide number, but if I said there was 10 million DJs in the world and pre-March of 2020, I'd say a hundred thousand of them were really regularly streaming online, regular, trying to do something, making it happen. Hit April 1st, 2020, all 10 million of those DJs jumped oh, on doing it. Yeah. And it was, and that's why, I mean, we took a step back and went, okay, y'all shed the spotlight. I got to work on some stuff with my licensing and take care of all that stuff to make sure we're ready to go with, with what we're making move forward. But um, that's the outlet. You have DJs that would never even play in a club or have a chance to play in a club that are able to still jump online and use that as a platform. So it's even more relative that those labels keep churning out tracks so the DJs would use those tracks. Of course, pay your licensing people. Pay your <laughs> not just because you buy it on Beatport does not clear your licensing rights live <laughs> streaming and or video on demand or podcast. Whole another episode. But what I'm saying is, um, you know, it, there's even more opportunity for labels and, 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 and tracks to get played in multiple outlets now. I mean, you've got 10 million outlets. Yeah, podcasts, where, live streams, radio. Radio everywhere out there. Mm -hmm. And everyone's trying to start up their own thing, which is just amazing in itself as well. It's kind of like being on that forefront 10 years ago and then watching everything go boom. And you're like, wow, I remember what it was like to be doing that. <laughs> Right at the beginning. Right at the beginning. So it's just amazing. But yeah, I, 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 it's amazing to hear that labels have put that pause on. Um, but uh, congratulations that you're still pushing that envelope forward and moving forward with that. That's awesome. Uh, tell me a little bit about something, Radio Slave. What is Radio Slave all about? Um, he is a DJ and producer based in Berlin, but he's uh, he's English from, if I hope I'm, I'm hoping correct, but I think he's from London. Um, and he runs a label records. It's a pretty, pretty popular label uh, well, for a long time now, but he's been like releasing a lot of really good music in the last, in the last year or so. He just had like a, you heard of Robert Hood. He's an old school Detroit guy. He just put out an album uh, for Robert Hood. And funny enough, like, I mean, I've, I've known Matt for maybe a few years now, probably only ever seen him in, in a handful of times in person, but now like on a weekly basis, we talk and we're in touch, which is kind of, kind of interesting. Same with Dubfire. I never met him before in person. And, you know, we met through the DJs and beers thing. And now we're talking consistently every week. We have a group chat where we all talk and everything. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. And that, and that brings back a point that you bring up before about keeping in touch with, with people through technology and, you know, Dubfire, like I said, I've never met him in person yet. We talk every week for the last, I don't know what week we're at now. It was like 30 something weeks or, yeah. you know, so it's kind of interesting in that retrospect, but, um, but yeah, Matt, he's, um, he's been in the game for a long time. There's uh, we have, we've had guests come on the show talk about like the early days of London and the rave scene. And he was there in like the late eighties and early nineties. Um, basically when the whole rave scene started out there in, in, in the UK and he's got definitely a lot of history making music, doing remixes for pop artists. And uh, he's, yeah, he's been in the game for a long time. Did, did I see that you recently did a collaboration with him? Or was that what I was looking at there? I, I saw something with Radio Slave. On, on with me? Yeah. I thought I saw something there. Maybe it was just on, on one of your walls on your socials. Um, uh, maybe, yeah, I'm, I, we didn't collab. I mean, I did a remix for him and he did a remix for me um, earlier this year. So that could have okay. that could have been what it was. Yeah, okay. he did a yeah, these socials, there's so much information coming in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just just uh, said a lot coming in. So I did notice you are posting on your Instagram, you have some pictures of vinyl records mm. and uh, vinyl versus digital. And, and what's, I, I, I know old school cats. I know where that goes. Uh, 
you know, you've been obviously spinning for a while. Are, are those your own vinyl pressings or are those just promo picks for songs or what's, what's, what's your take on vinyl versus digital? Obviously the, the, the transformation of that and then go, you go with that. <laughs> well, I mean, the, honestly, the vinyl versus digital bait, digital debate is pretty, there's, I don't know, there's really no, there's, it, it's, it's a matter of taste. You know what I mean? Like I still, I've been collecting vinyl for over 20 years and, and I still buy records. I buy old and new records that, that I just, I'm on Discogs all the time looking for stuff. And I love the physical aspect of a vinyl, you know, being able to hold it, having to turn it to listen to it. And, and, you know, it's a much more intimate connection with the music rather than just downloading files and listening to it. And sound quality wise, there's definitely a debate sound quality wise. Like, of course, digital is super crisp, clean, loud, no limits on how loud you can go versus vinyl. It's analog moving parts. You can only push it so loud and it's going to sound, it's going to sound great. And there's a, there's a really, there, there's a physical sound with it that comes with vinyl, which I like, and I grew up with listening to, but I also love the clean punchy sound of digital. So I don't think anyone is better than, than each, each one, you know, and you'll have DJs, old school vinyl DJs are just like, oh, I'll never spin with digital files. And it's like, okay, cool. You want to carry a box of a hundred records that weigh a hundred pounds? Do your thing, man. I got my 5,000 records right here on this USB stick that if I lose a USB stick, it's not a big deal. Yeah. If you lose your box of records, kind of screwed. So, yes, yeah. of, of, of sticks and small devices and technology moving forward. Have you had a chance to see a product called a phase? No. A phase stick? No. So basically, instead, it kind of replaces the needle on the record. You put this little device on your turntable and it spins around and, and gives you the control of vinyl. So it actually accesses your digital files, but you have the phase that you put on the turntable and it's wireless, like connects to your computer. It's actually pretty cool. They're not a sponsor oh, wow. for show yet, but um, just, I'm not trying to give them a plug or drop, but a lot of artists are, are interested in this because you can now do turntablism without having the control surface of like a Serato record. It, I've, I think I've seen, was it like Qbert? Was he pushing that thing? Yeah, I think Qbert may be. It was like a, it, he had like connected to an iPad and he was like scratching and it was, yeah, I think, I don't know I if it was the same thing. Connected to an iPad as well because it's just going to read your digital files. But I mean, you get the functionality of turntables where you can use some Technique 12s and put the phase on it and you're not having to worry about needles. And one of the things we, I love about it is we might actually be able to do a turntable-esque set in the back of our mobile studio. I don't know if you got a chance to check no. that out. We basically built a mobile live streaming studio in the back of a big glass box truck so we can drive around okay. and chase playing in it. We have a sound system in it that has about 1,600 watts of power. You can hear us from about two blocks away. And with one of our new sponsors, I'll drop them here. And this is brand new news to anyone in the world. We just signed on Mackie as a sponsor of our show. Oh, nice. so they're actually um, gifting us or donating some gear to us. So we're adding another 4,000 watts of sound to the truck. Um, and you guys could, you guys could, is it, um, I don't know, maybe it's a dumb question, but can you legally drive around and play music blaring out uh, of the truck? We've been doing it for 10 years in Seattle. Ah, okay. we, get, we get, we have a very, how would you say, I wouldn't say romantic, but definitely an understanding and appreciation of a relationship with the Seattle police department. Okay. They, they, they know us, they know what we're doing and uh, everything we do is completely legit legal. And um, we're basically a party bus. Okay. And, um, when we're driving around, we're never in an area more than a minute and a half. We don't park the truck and then blast it outside of somebody's apartment complex. Oh, okay. Okay. Driving through the city as this music plays and we get people dancing in the street. Okay. <laughs> in the time right now where there are no nightclubs, there are no concerts, no events. People are just, you can tell they miss the big thump, the stadium sound, the nightclub sound. And they just dance with us. We even get the officers cheering us on. <laughs> That's we, cool, man. That. We, and you guys, live, you guys live stream that too? We are able to live stream now out of the back. So we've got some technology that, that you know, a year, couple of years ago, it wasn't possible. Now with the advent of technology, it was pricey. Um, but now we can actually stream live as we drive around. That's, awesome. that's actually pretty cool one of a kind you're going to see a lot more of that coming uh here we're going to be switching our winter focus to doing more stuff out of the mobile studio so yeah, maybe yeah. if we get a chance to visit seattle we'll bring you up and get you in the back of the mobile studio yeah that'd be cool uh, 
but yeah, I mean, technology's changing. And, and the thing I like going back to the phase is I should be able to put turntables now in the back of the truck while we're driving around and put the phase on. And since there's no needle that'll be bouncing, that phase will at least let those DJs want to, although we have to build a bigger table. Um, it's interesting. I got I to gotta look that up. That sounds like some crazy technology. I'm yeah, really it's curious pretty awesome. Uh, you know, just again, the, the merging of the two, two worlds. Um, so, you know, you, you run a label or you run multiple labels, you said earlier. Just a couple, yeah. Uh, what can we expect? Uh, how has it been switching or doing your label this year? And what can we expect moving forward for 2021? Now that the dust has kind of settled and people are kind of getting in the online groove, working from home groove, what can we expect for 2020? Well, um, like actually next year will be the 10 year anniversary of my label, Truncate. Thank you. And um, up until, basically up until now, I only released music for myself. The label was literally just for my own tracks. And this, that's why it's called Truncate, you know? So, um, you know, in the beginning of the year, I, I kind of slowed down a bit because I just wasn't motivated to make music. I had some stuff in the pipeline already, but other than that, it kind of, it kind of dipped down a little bit. Then I was thinking about it because I always get demos from people and I'm like, sorry, I don't accept demos for my label because it's just for me. Then after I was like, you know what, why not, why not release other people? Like literally there's, it, it's not a big deal for me. And, and now is the perfect time. You know, there's so many young producers out there that want to get heard and want to find a home to release. So um, I think around like April, well, it first started, okay, this is how it first started, sorry. I did a remix contest in April and it got huge, like huge feedback. Um, I received over like 600 remixes. And in the end, I ended up putting out a compilation of the best remixes that I, that I liked. And it was like 14 remixes from people all over the world. And after I was like, man, I got such good um, response from this. Why don't I just start releasing music from other people, you know? Mm -hmm. So I started accepting demos and I started working with some young kids. Um, this guy, Kai Van Dongen, which was the winner of the remix contest. He's from South Africa, living in London. This other kid, um, Hertz Collision, which is in Italy. And I got a bunch of stuff in the pipeline now. So it's been, for me, it's been exciting working with these artists because they're so, um, so enthusiastic, you know, like they give me music and I tell them I like this and they're like, whoa, I, this is crazy. I can't believe I'm gonna release on your label. So it's exciting to, to work with them and help them build them their profile a little bit too. And keeps my label busy, keeps me busy. So um, definitely for 2021, there's going to be a lot more music coming out. I'm kind of keeping it sort of consistent by releasing about every month or so one, one release a month uh, on both labels, the work tracks thing, which I started um, like in September and um yeah, I'm I'm excited, man. I've been and I get tons of demos. I already got so many releases lined up, and it's fun to work with these young guys and 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 hear what they're doing. And they keep me posted with all the new music. So, as far as that goes for 2021, there'll be a lot more music uh, um, from other artists on my label. But I'm also trying to plan something cool for the 10 year anniversary. I initially was gonna do this like big vinyl pack, but I don't think that's really doable at the moment um, financially. But um, yeah, I'm gonna come up with some with some cool merch, T-shirts. I'll probably do like a mixtape, like a cassette, like an actual cassette of like all the music from the label and stuff like that. So I know, there's a bunch of things going on. How will people play the cassette? People, man, you'll be surprised. People buy them, and there's there's a I still I still I actually just bought it, not just bought. I actually have a cassette that I bought like six years ago. And it was just one of those things where like, man, I remember tapes and just like, it was like I said with the vinyl, it's a physical thing and there's a more intimate connection with it, you know? Absolutely. And five years ago for the, the five year anniversary of my label, I did a, I did a mixed tape and I, I made like a hundred of them. They all sold out like, Oh wow. Yeah. And I was like, Oh wow. So if I do the 10 year one, I think it'll be just as popular. Now, does, do you do, when you sell that, do you do like a mixed, like my, my sister, she bought me, I'll give you an idea of where I'm going with this. She bought me, one of my favorite anime movies of all time is the movie uh, Akira. Mm. I don't know if you know, if you know I remember, that. Thing. I remember that, yeah. And she actually bought me the soundtrack on vinyl. Oh, I have nice. a record here that I like, put up in my little, my little 
I don't know what, my altar, my sanctuary, whatever, my prized possessions from family members type place. But the album actually came with a code to download it digitally as well. Do you do the same thing with your cassette tapes then? Yes. So, okay. Yeah. So I sold um, the the first cassette I sold through Bandcamp Mm -hmm. and each purchase came with the free download of the mix online. So you can listen to it on your, on your phone. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to completely leave out the digital aspect of it. Yeah. I want to be fair to people, but there are, I know people that do that, that even with vinyl, they'll do a vinyl only thing. So if you want to have that song, you have, you have to buy the record. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And speaking about technology, it, it moves very fast, especially in DJ land, you know, in DJ world. You know, if you could think of something that's not on the market today, but in your vision that could come out in the, in, in the future, what, what would that be? Man, honestly, the one thing that, that actually, I think it's kind of available now that I remember thinking about years back was like the whole wireless networking with the turntables. So like, let's say you get it to a CDJ, you can connect to a network and then just download your music onto there and stream it instead of having to bring a physical disc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's around now, but I don't know how, I've never used it. I don't know how good it is or reliable it is. Cause you know, some clubs you go to, you're in a basement and there's like not even a cell phone signal down there. You know what I mean? Yep. So who knows if the Wi-Fi is gonna be reliable and you still have to bring a backup, you know? That there is- could be there could be the network that could be down and you're like, well, I don't have any music with me, so I can't DJ. You know what That's I mean? So exactly the issue that people are running. Even some of our residents have run into that being on site where we shoot and do our live streaming from, you know, of not having internet connectivity, um, you know, to to connect and do that. Uh, but you're right, that would be uh, amazing, you know, to see that always be there, 100% ready to go but always have a backup. I mean, I, I even keep flash drives just for myself to back up for my backups and my DJs. You yeah, know? I I travel with four USB backups in case one doesn't work, then always have four. And I assume you have something up in the cloud too if you needed to grab something and pull it down. And Yeah, and you know, actually, now that I think about it, another cool thing, I think, I don't know if it would be cool or not, but like, especially now since, um, you know, you can't, an artist can't travel as easily as before, but I wonder if in the future, oh, maybe it's kind of lame, but I wonder if in the future I could do a DJ set from my house that'll be streaming to a club and the people in the club are dancing and having, and I can see them and you know what I mean? It's like, I can see that they're having a good time. I get a feed of what they're doing and I'm DJing. So you still get a feel for it. David, I'm sure that's going to happen. I David, bet. David, David, we were proposing that idea back in 2013. <laughs> we were wondering, and, and when, we, when we look at these ideas, we, we obviously look at the top of the top, who was top of the charts, who was, what would it get to take Tiesto to do a live streaming set into a club? It'd be directly only into that club, streamed into that club, but then he would have a camera back in his studio that he can see. interact and chat room with the DJs, pick up a microphone and say, oh, Tracy in the crowd, Chris in the crowd, Darren in the crowd. How's it going tonight, Seattle? And what would that cost price point? Because it's not, you're not flying them in for 50 grand. Yeah. You don't have to take care of the rider, the hotel, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So what that's something actually, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something we are looking forward to start going into the those negotiation processes right now. What does a DJ how what is the fee for doing that? Like if I wanted to bring you live on remote to a live stream of the DJ sessions. Get that featured on the front page of Twitch. You know what is that going to cost? Mm-hmm. You know, is it is it really your normal DJ? Because we don't have a bar. We're not yeah. selling twenty thousand dollars in drinks for the night, or we're not able to charge necessarily twenty dollars to fifty dollars a head at the door. And in a world where, again, when I go back to that ten million people, and when those ten, when I say ten million DJs, even the top A list celebrity DJs, we I watch it all the time up against Gabriel and Dresden and Insomniac and Dirty Bird that we're coming right in behind in the top 10 when we go live on Twitch. But how are you able to monetize when everyone else is just throwing it out there for free? Yeah, true. And, and so it's like, oh, we're going to charge for this, not the pigeonhole you, but we're going to charge for this truncate show, $10 to watch it. But everyone else, if we go live on a Friday night, the rest of the world is doing everything for free. Mm-hmm. And unless there's some value add there that says, oh, it's $10 and you're going to be sent a t-shirt or you're going to be sent a beer glass or you're going to be sent. <laughs> but yeah. But how do we 
as the DJ sessions, how do we negotiate that fee? How do we pay for that if we're not able to monetize that? And, and you can't count on saying, well, we're going to base it. Then we're going to say 300 people are going to watch this. Or what if 10,000 people tune in and watch it, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, and that's where our debate was. We've always designed to make our content for free and go the sponsorship route. Right. As opposed to. That's probably, our- that's probably the best way. Yeah. Cause like, like you were saying, like you were saying with, with why should someone pay for it? If they can get it for free. Obviously if someone really supports you, they're going to pay and they will support you. You yeah. know what I mean? But I think the majority of people are just like, I ain't going to pay for this. I just go on this other stream and get music. That's just as good. Yeah. You know, or, or, you know with one of, one of our resident DJs, he's very active in his shows and he's constantly obviously getting those subscriptions, those bits and those kind of things where you could say, okay, give me, you know, if you donate 10 bucks, we'll give you a shout out during the live stream. Mm-hmm. You know, we can see that in real time now, and, but that's still not going to generate enough funding necessarily that's going to pay if, if your fee, I don't know what your fees are, I'm not trying to negotiate or, or give you a, put a dollar amount in, but if an artist's fee is $3,000, say, to come to Seattle with all that, you know, plus airfare rider, you know, $4,500, $4,000 show, do they get 10% for an online performance? And like I said, we're looking forward to starting to negotiate those things. We're looking to start, we want to start booking DJs to come play on our show and right. give those, in, back in the day, the DJs would, they'd fly into Seattle They'd already be here for a performance. So it was a press appearance that they come in and do an interview with us and or spin a exclusive set on our show, but it was a closed set. There might be 10, 15 people in the set. Yeah, we'd stream it live, but it, and it wouldn't be what their club mix was going to be. It could be whatever they wanted, but um, you know, it was a publicity ex- experience. But we want to start saying, okay, how do we book these people on in this live streaming world? It's a very interesting conundrum. And, I'm sure others are having those conversations. I don't know if you have an agent. Uh, I actually, um, Nicole. Thank you, Nicole. You first shout out. Thanks for, thanks for that. Hey, um, you know, maybe that's something I got to start talking about with Nicole. I'm, more, I'm working with some of my local promoters though to say, how do we approach that argument? I'm sorry, I don't mean argument. How do we approach that agreement and and get? We don't want to offend people either, yeah. you know, and say, oh well, we only value you at 200 bucks for the. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. There were some DJs that were actually holding out when they saw everyone jumping online and said, I don't want to do the online thing because that's going to dilute my brand. But that was in a time where it was March, April, May, June. The industry mm-hmm. might start opening back up for the rest of the year. I might start making a paycheck where now I see those same DJs are like, screw it. I'm streaming live wherever yeah, I want yeah. to do it. Who cares? Yeah. You know, and they're throwing it in the towel to it just to say, because they're recognizing they might be being lost in the mix. And all those other people are building their branding and getting their thousands of fans and click, click, clicks and those donation, the donation dollars. That's another thing. It's a, it's a limited thing because a, a person in a time when they're not earning revenue, they can only donate so much. You mm-hmm. can't be subscribed to 35 different accounts at 25 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. You just paying that out unless you got a bunch of money. Yeah. You know, even the $10 or $5 amount, you know, is there, but people, you find that there's a, a diminishing returns when you run a donation based Kind of thing so it's going to be an interesting time for 2021 to come for but you getting into the merchandising keeping the label going keeping out there on the forefront those are the right moves that's what we're really seeing people succeed with here so congratulations on, on doing all that um you know you mentioned carl cox earlier uh we'll go back to, to that he was on your show the, the djs and beers and uh he's still holding it down he's still doing it you know i've been watching him um uh, had an opportunity a long time ago to, to have him on the show, actually almost 10 years ago. Still trying to get him on the show, get an interview with him. Um, <laughs> that will happen. Um, but that being said, he's still holding it down. And do you still see yourself? I don't know what age you are, if you're in relation to close to his age or not. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 39. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm 46 and I've never learned how to DJ. I produce a DJ show, but Carl Cox, I'm not sure. Cause I want to say he's mid fifties, late. He's, yeah, he's like mid late fifties. Mid late fifties. Now, yeah. do you see yourself still DJing and performing in, in that fashion as a performer? Um, basically, the, the ultimate question is: Do you see an, uh, a retirement of? Do you see? Is there a retirement age for DJing? I guess I don't think. I think in general there is no retirement age. When you look at guys like Carl Cox, Sven Vath, like those, I think Sven Vath is sixty, okay. or almost near 60. Jeff Mills, these guys have been DJing since the 80s. Danny Tenaglia, we had him as a guest. 
he started DJing in the late seventies yeah. and he's still going strong. He loves it. You know, I think it just depends if how, how much of a passion of music you have for, for DJing, you know, and, um, Carl Cox, man, like to having him on the show, just how enthusiastic and passionate he still sounds now after DJing for over 30 years. It's like, damn, man, like I aspire to be that DJ, you know, he's been around for so long. He still has so much energy and you, and you can tell, you can feel the love for the music from him. You know what I mean? And I, I honestly can't tell, like, even, even now I never thought, I never thought personally I would be at the level that I was as a DJ, you know what I mean? Like I've always wanted to do it and like, Oh, hopefully I can make a living from it. And then when I started traveling everywhere and I was like, Oh crap, it's really happening. Mm-hmm. Even sometimes I still can't believe it. Like I still can't believe that I, I didn't have to have a nine to five job that I can just travel and DJ. So um, I can't really tell man, to be honest, you know, maybe without the traveling, it's easier because you don't get so burned out. Mm-hmm. The traveling is hard, especially coming from LA and most of my gigs are in Europe. It was a long flights, man. And I was doing that two or three times a month, you know? Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, at, at the height when I was super busy. Mm-hmm. And now I'm also like a studio head too, you know? I like being home. I like, I like making music. Um, I also started doing like mixed down work for artists too. So that's also really cool. So I'm a homebody as well. So that might overtake the traveling and DJing at some point you know what I mean because it, it's it is really taxing on the body and on the mind and I've definitely realized that from being home for so many months now like damn having to get on an airplane and like I just can't I don't know I'm, I'm scared for that first day to come back where I'm like I have to wake up get ready pack go to the airport get music ready and have to jump on a flight it's like man this is gonna be so weird even though I've been doing it for the last 12 years mm-hmm. consistently and that that jump back's going to be interesting so as far as an end date i really don't know man it's hard to say i wish i could put an end date to it and so you mentioned something about you you being more of a homebody you know and obviously being working from home if we took the truncate hat off and put the david torres hat on what what's a in a nutshell in a summary what's a day in the life of david torres like you're looking at it. I'm in I my wake, studio I all up. day. I, I honestly, man, I, I love waking up early. I'm up like at five or six in the morning. I do my exercise. I have my coffee. I come in the studio and start doing label stuff or start working on music or start doing mixed stuff. Um, I'm also a big beer fanatic. So like afternoon time, you know, I'm always hitting like my local beer shop and buying new and different beers. Nice. So I like to chill and just watch TV and have a beer and just, I take it easy, man. I really do take it easy a lot. Um, I don't really have much hobbies, man. Like music has been my whole life for so many years. And it's like all this, the only thing on my mind is music and just making, making tracks and being in the studio, you know, some days are better than others. Some days I'll, I'll come in here and I'll try to do something and nothing happens. I'm like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> Play some video games go for a walk, go outside. You know what I mean? So it's really not complicated. It's super chill. I'm a very relaxed guy. And, but honestly, most of my days, I'm just in the studio messing around. Mm-hmm. Definitely know how it is being an entrepreneur, managing your own business and managing that time and making sure you're effective, effectively managing that time and not getting distracted. Um, <laughs> good to have a system in place. I, I, I couldn't accomplish anything if it wasn't for my to-do lists. Oh, yeah, it comes. I got to put it down on paper or there or it will go into the ether. Yeah. I mean, I have a diary of to do lists, but people think that, oh, it's just easy. You just sit at the computer and you make music or it's just easy. He just makes a show. He turns on and hits play or it's record on the camera. No, y'all don't see the background of what's happening here. If there was a reality television, I could produce my own reality television show, my own reality show of my (laughs) just doing this all day long. So it's awesome that you have that work life balance there. And, and like, and, and honestly, like, um, especially keeping it like I've always treated it like a nine to five, you know what I mean? Like I wake up in the morning, I do my first things in the morning and then come in the studio and, and work during the day. I was never a night, a night owl, you know, I'm in bed by like nine, 10 PM. Cause I like waking up early. And honestly, people are like, how can you go to sleep? You're such like an old man. I was like, what do I need to be up late for? There's nothing at night for me. I'm not working. It's like, you know what I mean? So I like, I like waking up with the fresh head, 
and getting in the studio and, and having the fresh mind to do stuff. And I think that's super important too. Yeah, that's, it's definitely that nine, that, that when you say nine to five, it doesn't necessarily have to be directly nine to five, but having that time frame that this is work hours, this is play yep. hours. I burnt exactly. myself out probably in 28 years, four or five times where I just didn't want to touch a camera. Didn't want to touch, I'm done with this and don't want to go back there. It's a very strict regimen of hit the ground running. Usually, like you said, 6.30 in the morning, I'm usually on taking care of my socials, answering email from bed. And then pop out at eight o'clock and boom, it's hit the ground running with everything else that needs to be done for the day, whether it's editing, marketing, deals, going over contracts. But nobody, nobody knows what we do. No, of course. They see, they see this and they're like, oh, easy. He just turns the camera on. It's like, well, he had to actually go through channels to get me to come on the show. It's not like he just turned the camera on as I'm right here. Like, hey, what's going on, man? You know? Exactly, exactly. And again, I do really appreciate you being on the show. We're just about wrapping up, coming up on an hour here. It's been an awesome time hanging out with you, David. Yeah, thank you. Is there anything else you want to let our DJ Sessions viewers know about right now? Um, I mean, basically, if you want to know about my music and what I'm doing, um, I run a label called Truncate and also another one called Work Tracks. I have tons of music coming out. Um, I do the DJs and beers things every Thursday with Chris Liebing, Dubfire, Radio Slave, and Drum Cell. And um, yeah, other than that, man, I mean, other, normally I would plug gigs, <laughs> but there's no gigs. I don't have any live streams um, planned at the moment. So um, you can just follow me on my socials. Um, Instagram and Facebook are usually like where, I, where I'm most active. Um, Twitter as well. Twitter's, but Twitter, I'm more of like, a, I just post random stuff on Twitter. It's never, it's not always promotion, you know, like just random thoughts. That's what I like about Twitter, honestly. Mm -hmm. Just post a random thought and just get it out there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, truncate underscore LA on every one of those. Um, Facebook truncate dot LA. And uh, yeah, thank you. Awesome. David, thank you for coming on the show. And uh, for our viewers that don't know him, go look him up. Truncate. I should be pointing that way. <laughs> it's always in reverse. You're actually like on the way my oh, screen is, you're on, you're on top of me. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. We'll check him out. Truncate online. You'll find him out there. Type him online. Pleasure having you on the show. Don't forget to go to our website, thedjsessions.com. Find us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Hashtag us, TDJS, if you're so bold. This is Darren and David, a.k.a. Truncate, coming to you live for the virtual sessions, brought to you by the DJ Sessions, where the music never stops.